Hi there, and welcome to another episode of African Business Stories, your insight into female innovators and entrepreneurs building and running businesses in Africa. I'm Akego Okoye, and on the show today, we're switching it up a bit. We're going to pause from talking about our amazing female entrepreneurs and focus on our fathers. In honor of Father's Day, we've put together a special series titled Lessons and Legacy. It's a collection of conversations with some of my friends and mentors from around Africa on lessons they've learned from their parents and from experiences and the personal legacies they would like to leave for their children. These were all insightful conversations outside of the boardroom. On this episode, I catch up with Dr. Henry Masoma, professor at Texas Christian University. He's an educator, speaker, and corporate trainer. We talk about growing up in Zambia, lessons learned from his dad, how an act of kindness got him on The Ellen Show, and what he enjoys most about being a dad. Enjoy. Let's do it. Hi, Henry. Thank you for being here today. Good to catch up. Same. Likewise, okay, go. Likewise. Um, so just very quickly, if you can please tell us what it was like growing up in Zambia and um, what were the greatest lessons that you learned from your parents? Uh, growing up in Zambia was uh, really, um, I'd say charming. It was it was a very uh, darling life. We My parents worked for a copper mine. And so, and my dad and my mom were the one of the, the first generation of college grads after independence in 1964. So there was a lot of excitement in the air. Mm. My dad came from a, a group of people that were the first university graduates because the university started in 1966. He graduated mm. in 1972. And so was, it was booming. This was a time when it was like the African man was coming alive. And so... Right. Uh, it was neat to be raised by my both my parents in a time when they were going through this major transformation for themselves, you know, individually and also corporately as a nation. So exciting times. Those were darling of times. We lacked for nothing. Everything was provided for by the company that my parents worked for. We played tennis. We swam. Uh, we had very charmed lifestyles at the time. So what, what lessons did you did you learn from them growing up? From my parents growing up, uh, I think the big lesson is, I think a lesson that carries across Africa is the lesson of Ubuntu, which mm-hmm. which is I am because you are and you are because I am. Mm-hmm. And what I had noticed about my parents was that even as well-to-do as we were, from as far as I can remember, the wealth was always spread out. So mm-hmm. we live extravagant lifestyle ever. But it was always spread out because we supported so many people. Those times in my home, there'll be 12, 13 people living under one roof. And I like to call my mom one of the most powerful economists that's ever existed because how she was able to spread the, the money across this time frame, it blows my mind. Those days we'd eat a lot of beans because beans spreads, not because we were poor, but because right. we had to, we had to um, extend you know, you know, I will share with what it is that we had the resources. And I think the number one lesson was generosity, you know, to be generous, not just, not just generous in word, but generous in deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shared a lot. And I think that later on informs who I am as an individual is this idea of 
the collective existence that I, uh, my, my, my existence is dependent on yours. And so is um, yours dependent on mine. So how did you come to, to, to move and settle in the U.S.? Oh my goodness. Uh, it is, it was interesting. I, I attribute that to just divine, uh, provision in 1996, at the beginning of 1996 in January, I was walking from church on a Sunday morning and I ran into this American gentleman. I knew he was American because he had a bunch of cars in his driveway and he was a diplomat. And at the time, my parents were also living in Mozambique on the East coast of Africa. And so I asked him a question. Lesson number one, always ask questions. <laughs> the smartest person in the room is not the person that has the answers. The smartest person in the room is the one that asked the questions. Right. So I asked this man a question, and the question was, are you American? And that started off my journey. He looked at me, and he was shocked to see a young man who spoke English so well because Mozambique was, is Portuguese-speaking. He proceeded to ask me if I'd ever uh, thought about going to school in the United States. And I can't go that day. That man gave me what I hope every parent gives their child. Right. He gave me an idea, not a promise. Hmm. He gave me the idea of possibility. And so I believe he reached in his pocket, he gave me his business card, and he said, come and see me tomorrow. I could help you go to America. Wow. And that night, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. I was so excited just about the idea, not the promise. I went to see him the next day, and six months later, I was in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Six months later. In fact, if uh, for, for those of you that are curious, uh, CBS Morning Show with Gail King did a little bit of my story on CBS Morning Show, and uh, they feature this man. He and I reunited after 20 years. We never, wow. He never knew that I became what I became until 20 years later. And he was discovered by one of my students because I'd lost such with him. And as a gift, one of my students uh, found him and then gave me his contact information. That so. is amazing. Mm -hmm. That is so amazing. So, so you, you talked about your students. So for, for just some context, you, you work as a professor and you have worked as a professor for, for many years. That's correct. You know? Um, and, and I wonder how, how these values, you know, have influenced how you, you lead and, and, and mentor young people. You know, Kego, you know, when I'm being arrogant and bougie, if you will, I am not able to, to understand that who I am is so deeply informed by those from my past. And the more educated I got, especially in the Western sense, I started to embrace this idea of individualism, which is actually not true. And there was a time I gave a speech somewhere where I truly recognized, oh, my goodness, who I am is my father, my grandparents. You know, I come from royalty in my tribe, you know. And so there was this deep-seated <laughs> understanding of just how grand the story is. And it's not just about me. And from that, what I, I think I, I have taken into my teaching is, this idea of three letters, and the three letters are G plus H plus C, and G plus H plus C. Gratitude feeds humility, and humility sustains curiosity. I like that. Please say that again. Gratitude feeds humility, 
and humility sustains curiosity. And, you know, this, this gratitude humbles me and it, it gives me the wonder. It, it, it allows for me to keep asking questions. And in asking questions, I answer the big question that each and every human being has to answer is who am I? And parents planted that seed of identity. And so when I recognized that, I actually, from now on, from that point onwards, I took a pair of my father's shoes that he had worn. And my dad was a man that was well-to-do, but he used to resole his shoes all the time because he wanted to spread his wealth. And I have a pair of my father's shoes that I keep, that I want to keep forever to remind me of the fact that I'm able to walk where I walk because there's so many behind me that took many steps. And so that informs my teaching. I teach from a place of gratitude. I'm grateful for the, sp- the space to be an educator. Number two, I teach from a place of humility. And what that does, it opens up my students and allows them to be co-creators of knowledge rather than consumers of knowledge. Mm. And um, ultimately, it, it then results in a place of wonder and curiosity. And they ask the questions. They demand of themselves more when we liberate them in the sense of letting them know that they are the authors of their own stories. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. wow. Your, your, your students must really be in awe of you, Henry. They really must. I mean, one of them goes and helps you find this, this man that, that sowed the seed for you to move to America. And then, and then another one got you on Ellen. That's correct. <laughs> you know, that was very exciting to watch by the way, but, but that whole experience, what, what was that like? <laughs> So um, I have to tell you how the whole day, how the whole getting on the Ellen show played out, if that's okay. Right, yeah. Um, I had a day where I had a meeting with the dean of my college. And in this meeting, I was going to um, air my grievances about my compensation. I, I wanted the dean to make it rain, if you, for lack of a better word. And in this meeting, the dean looked at me and he said, Henry, um, may I pray for you? He said, there's not anything else I can do at this point, but can I offer up a prayer? It was a very simple prayer. Dear God, please help us find ways to help Henry. Something to that effect. He never gave me a pay raise that day. So I went back to my office, Akego, and in that same moment, there was an email from that young lady, same day, just straight from that office meeting where I was prayed for. And the email said, Dear Dr. Mishoma, I'm unable to come to class today, uh, but can you meet, can I meet with you before class so that we go, go over what you're covering? Now, Akego, what stood out about this young lady is I had a class of 300 students, so there was no reason for her to write to ask to meet with me because if she didn't come to class, I'd have never known that she wasn't in class. It was, you know, I never took role. It was a big class. And so I responded without even thinking about rules. You know? And here's another a shout out to, to leaders. And one thing I've learned from my father is that my father took risks. And there's something that I take in my classes as well, huge risks. You know, he went, he went and worked in a country that was still under civil war in order to better the, the lot of his family. And so I took a risk and invited this young lady to bring the baby to class hmm. without even considering the policies of the university. Brought the baby to class. I taught two classes back to back that day. And then in the second class that I taught, the baby started to wander in front of me. Then I picked up the baby and this baby yielded to my body. And then I looked at the class and I said, if you have a problem with this child being in my class, go ahead and drop my class. Because anyone who has a problem with the child, the problem is not the child. The problem is you. Right. Then 
at the end of class, this young lady had captured a six second video of this occurrence of what had happened in my class. I didn't know that she did. She walked up to me. She said, thank you. It wasn't a big deal. She went home and I had a doctor's appointment. That's the kind of day I was having. And in this doctor's appointment, Akego, the doctor was deciding on whether or not to do surgery on me. I was having a very uncomfortable problem, you know, <laughs> the one that results in me not being able to sit properly. I went to see the doctor and then the doctor said, well, Henry, it looks like you're okay. We won't need to do surgery. Okay. And I have a very funny doctor. So I leave that doctor's office. I go home and about six o'clock, my nephew calls me and he says, Uncle Henry, you're going viral. Guess what? I can't go. I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going viral based off of the doctor's visit. I didn't think viral meaning viral on the internet. I thought of viral sickness. And I thought, man, my doctor has put my, my private problem out in the world. And little did I know, in that moment, I went online and the video had already had about 200 to 300,000 hits in a week of less than three hours. It was like ticking like a clock. Then eight o'clock that same day, my sister calls me and says, Henry, you're going to be on the Ellen show at the rate this is going. Like, it's almost like a foretelling. Nine o'clock, remember, I had a meeting with the dean of the business school in the morning, right? This is the faithfulness of the Lord. Meeting with the dean in the morning, asking for a pay raise. No pay raise, but a prayer. Nine o'clock that day, the president of the university and the president of the a and Foundation called me on my cell phone. No way. So the story has hit them. And they say to me, we've seen what's going on with your classroom experience today. We just want to say how proud we are of you and you will hear from us. That was all in one day. Hmm. Then the next morning I went to work. I had emails from Huffington Post, New York Times, different people wanting interviews. My email was just bombarded. Overwhelming, actually. I, I accepted to do one interview with a local uh, lady, and that interview went viral in Zambia. <laughs> and my dad calls me and he says, Henry, what's going on? I said, dad. <laughs> and so, because he got a call from the bishop of, of his diocese. You know, wow. And uh, asking him what's going on with me and this story. So my dad said to me, and I never forget, this is where, you know, shout out to fathers, is my dad said to me, Henry, don't get ahead of yourself with this. Let it take its own course. You just ride it out. Then he said, son, you wear big shoes. In due time, you walk in them. Hmm. Just ride it out. Don't get ahead of it. Just, just relax. So I did. Then three, four days later, I was getting up early for breakfast at six in the morning to go meet a student for breakfast because I meet my students for breakfast at 6 a.m., just random students if they need help. So I was meeting this young man. And before I left the house, I saw an email from Ellen in my Gmail account. And it didn't say Ellen DeGeneres. It was a very plain email. It was easy to ignore. And uh, it said, this is Ellen's show, blah, blah, blah. Please call us back at this number. And I looked at my wife and I said, I've got an email from Ellen. She goes, yeah, right. You're pulling my leg. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not kidding. So we went on LinkedIn to look up the, the signature of this person and truly was the producer from Ellen's show. So then we produced, we proceeded to have a couple of uh, Skype sessions with the producers and different things. And they said they were so excited about our story that they were going to fly us to L.A. within the next three, four days. And uh, that was when it hit home for both myself, my student and my wife. And I'll say this, I never really watched the Ellen show before being on the show, but I was aware of who she was. And uh, But my wife was just beside herself. So was a student. I had to coach the student to calm down. And so we flew to L.A. And probably one of my favorite memories of my life is to get to the airport and have the chauffeur standing there with your name on it. 
to pick you up. Tall gentleman, elegant looking man. And he had my name on a plaque <laughs> and it said, welcome Dr. Musoma. It's one of those moments you wish your parents could see. So to, in a nutshell, it was an amazing experience. It was, it was something that, um, bigger than a paycheck that I would have received. You know, I, I remember the story starts off with me asking yeah. for a pay raise and it took me months to recognize that I got the, the biggest pay raise of my life by the platform that that experience gave me, you know, not just a paycheck, but it gave me a voice where I had no voice, you know, especially you, you have an identify with this. Akego. when you're an immigrant, when you leave home, you're no longer, you're neither Nigerian nor American or British or American. You are just the stateless person. Because people say your accent is different. Yes, you're one of us, but you're not really one of us. For me, the Ellen show thing bought me home. Hmm. I totally embraced it. I am like, I was on headline of newspapers at, at home, and people actually took me back as this one of our own. And so, yes, it actually gave me an op- opening in more ways than I realized. Wow. Wow. So how did your children feel about all that? They were, they were excited. I think what was even more interesting is the reaction because we live in a small town from friends, like at school, you know, because the whole town got engaged in it. So people would be like, oh, yeah, that's Dr. Musoma. In fact, my favorite memory is my son and I were shopping and trying to buy some Texas A&M University uh, T-shirts. And the, the manager walked up to me and said, are you Dr. Musoma? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, whatever you're buying today is on us. Thank you for being a good citizen. And my son was standing right there. Yeah, that's money in the bank. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so what do you enjoy most about being a dad? What do I enjoy most about being a dad? Hmm. Getting a front row seat at seeing um, my children grow up. Hmm. Um, seeing them become who they're supposed to be. Is pretty exciting um, and learning to love them all differently because they're individuals. And I'd say that's the biggest challenge is to, to see their differences and actually embrace them as different individuals because they're not just children, they're people. And so getting to see them as little people is exciting. You know, it's, it's uh, my honest daughter who will tell me, daddy, I don't like your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, daddy, the food you cooked is nasty. <laughs> Um, I've got an honest daughter, Olivia. She's just super honest. It's um, it's that hug from my daughter, Kezia, that just says, Daddy, I'm proud of you. You know, oh, Daddy, I'm... The other day, Kezia looked at me and says, Daddy, I'm so excited that you're educated because I get to learn from you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's your kids coming into your bed and you sleeping with them through the night and it's uncomfortable, but you're realizing that this moment is so precious. You know, um, it's those things. It's taking them to see new things they've never seen before and looking at their eyes. It's flying across the world with them going home and watching them excited to go see something they've never seen before. So what do I enjoy about being a dad? I think I enjoy the the newness of every moment because they're learning things that I sometimes have forgotten. In fact, one of my teaching philosophies is that or my ideas about educational leadership is that you cannot be an educational leader if you can't play on a playground. Hmm. Because I think a lot of us lose that playfulness and we forget how to play. I'm learning. My children are teaching me how to play again. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Henry. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. And um, happy Father's Day. Gracias. Thank you so, so much. You should say thank you in your... What's the Zambian language? So I speak Bemba. So in Bemba, thank you goes like this, Natotela, which literally means to clap my hands. So when people say thank you in my culture, they clap their hands. Oh, wow. Yes, especially the old ladies. I love it. The old ladies will bow and they'll clap their hands to say thank you. Um, Akego, if I haven't emphasized anything major in terms of speaking about my parents, I'd like to emphasize this even further. My parents taught me three things Hmm. in a major way. They taught me how to see the humanity in other people. They taught me how to laugh, to find humor. Then ultimately, they taught me to be humble. And uh, the word for humility in my language is ukuichefia. Ukuichefia. And what it means is to make yourself small. And we live in a world where everybody wants to be big. And so, <laughs> you know, it is beautiful. And every time my father picked me up at the airport, when I went home to visit, he'd always pick me up alone. He never brought a crowd. And the first thing he'd say to me is, welcome back home. Be humble. At first, I thought he was trying to, he was, I thought he thought I was arrogant. But then looking back, I realized that my dad was trying to ingrain in me this idea of making myself small. That, yeah, the least shall be first and the first shall be last. So. We're so grateful for good fathers. Yes, we are. Very grateful. Thanks, Okego. Thanks again. Very welcome. Thank you so much for listening. That was one of many conversations in the Father's Day special Lessons and Legacy. All the conversations in the series are available on my website, www.africanbusinessstories.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on the Apple Podcast app or the Google Podcast app. And do leave us a review so we know how we're doing. I am Akego Koye and you have been listening to African Business Stories.